Some of us need a strategy for how to get the whole team on the same page at work. Some of us need a strategy for how we're going to deal, like we said, with the ups and downs of this economy. But we've got to align it with what's eternally true because that because it's mathematically for strategy. How long is it going to last? i got to make sure my one-day or two-week or economic strategy, which we know rises and falls, all of us know that, and if it's not consistent with the way, the truth, and the life, it's going to cause me more frustration. Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Snodgrass, and today I'm joined by the founder and executive director of the Center Memphis, Howard Graham. The Center exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders in Memphis through the truth of God's Word applied to everyday life and work. We meet weekly to discuss leadership topics and offer personal one-on-one meetings to discuss your unique challenges and opportunities in work. We connect people to job opportunities, and we also resource entrepreneurs to start new things. We release content throughout the week that you can access on our website, thecentermemphis.org. Visit our website to learn more or sign up for an individual or group session today. Most people know it's a good thing to be wise, especially in business. We read articles and books, attend conferences, and consult experts, all so that we can understand and implement wise business strategies and practices. However, for most of us, there tends to be a gap between what we know to be wise and what is actually being implemented day-to-day in our business, daily work, and leadership. We know what is wise, but we can't seem to bring that wisdom down to where the rubber hits the road. This brings us to our question for today. Howard, what are some concrete methods for implementing wise business principles into your business, daily work, and leadership? And how can we impart wisdom to the people we work with and manage without being preachy? Well, it's a great question. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs more wisdom, and everyone gets tricked into believing foolishness is wise, and no one needs to be preachy. And so we have an article that will be in the show notes uh, that are, you know, the seven keys from the difference in foolishness and wisdom. But for this podcast, because we need to be more concrete, like you said, need to be more concise, we've boiled that down to to three things. And uh, with a structure, really, of, of three things, too. But first, three problems, at least. We need to know the difference in wisdom and foolishness. And there are many wise, practical things that are not helpful. Three examples. A focus centered on money leads to frustration and potentially to death. A focus centered on safety leads to frustration, loneliness, a trap, and potentially death. A focus centered on self-reliance leads to frustration, to death. Anything I focus on, whether it's what I want to be, the, if the desires of my heart are not aligned with, with what God has for me, it will lead to much frustration. Uh, everything, everything, every sexual ethic that God prescribes, everything is, is there's a wisdom for it. It's practical. The, the center of Memphis itself was founded on the fact that the truth of God's word is practical for our work lives, for practical for every part of our life. So first, what is wisdom? I like the way John Piper says it, but it's very consistent with what you'd hear most experts saying. And that wisdom has three parts a lot of threes today. We may, have, we may have more than three threes. But first, wisdom is the factual knowledge, the situational insight, and the necessary resolve that together 
succeeds in attaining full and everlasting happiness. Now, the truth is, for everything we face, it needs to be consistent with our everlasting happiness, or that's where it's messed up. That's where we get frustrated. That's where we get off. It, it, how long is this going to last? Is it going to last the next 30 years, the next 45? I don't know. I'm not going to be here for 50 more years, I don't think. So I, I need to think it lasts forever. That's one key, and we'll talk about that more. But you could just put the end of what you're focused on on it. Like if I'm just focused on how to get how to get my workers aligned, how to get the people I work with all together on a team, I'd need factual knowledge, I'd need situational insight, and I'd need a resolve to actually do it. Many times we've got the facts, we've got the data, we even can understand how to apply it in this situation, and then we don't have the resolve. So all three of those things are always necessary with wisdom, knowledge, insight, and resolve. So second, where do we get wisdom? God's word is synonymous with wisdom. But how do we make it practical? We've already covered that. That's why we exist. That's why the Center of Memphis exists, to define reality and offer hope with the truth of God's word for very practical things. So we all need a use case in our mind to get through this, to make it practical. I'm going to give you one, but, but really I'd just pause for a second, put the, put the podcast on pause for a second and say, what is the number one thing you're facing right now? What is the thing that maybe keeps you up at night a bit or uh, in the stoplight? Uh, where's where's your mind drift to what's the thing that's consuming you right now this applies to that so you get that in your head I think this will be more practical the use case we'll use is is this that in this uncertain up and down economy I can't figure out what to prioritize that's the way I'm that's the way I'm going to refer to it this case we had from our groups this week Uh, but you get whatever you need and we'll be talking about the ups and down and how to prioritize Okay, so first, where do we get wisdom? We get it from God. And so this, this verse in Romans describes that beautifully, of how deep it is. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, and how his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So real quick here. And Ronnie Stevens says this well in devotional I read from time to time in discipleship um, that, that he's put out. I commend that to you, and we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too because it's verse by verse. But he's saying this. He says that, first of all, God's wisdom is unsearchable, is unknowable. There's more of God's wisdom than I can ever get my hands around. And so think about it that way. But I have facts and knowledge. I do have a lot, and it does apply situationally. And, it, and, and I'm not deploying all that I have. So, one, it's, I, I need to know that it's more than I can ever comprehend because that leads me to trust God. But also, and I, and I need to know that it's inexhaustible for me if I'll get after it and understand it. And if I'll meet with him in the morning and meet with him during the day, I can know it better. But thirdly, I have enough. And most of us have enough. And we're going to give you a few more pieces of it through this podcast. But most of us know and have learned. And when we've acted in faith, we've seen what God has done. So because just the end of those verses in Romans 11, 36, to just know this. I'm from him. Everything I've been given today is from him, whether I like it or not. So the ups and downs of the economy or whatever the case you're, you're, you're deploying in your mind right now, it's from him. It's 
for it's the power to do it is through him your your life and breath is through him but so is the power to move toward what nearly needs to be done the um the situational insight will be powered by him the um the power to and, and to um get it done is through him everything and it's all for him what, what so what am i supposed to do oh back there to glory that where's the glory of this to him be the glory forever but it's, it's for him. So what's going to give God glory? That's not something we really run through our strategic calculator every day. But it is the truth that will set us free to do it. So that makes it practical in itself. So that's just our starter. That's just our primer. So now we're going to make this as practical as we can this way. We've set the other truths that we have, the wisdom that we have, in the way work gets done. Patrick Lencioni talks about the way work gets done in his book, Working Genius. And then we all have six gifts we bring. Uh, some of those energize us and give us joy. Some of those drain us. But he breaks down that all work is done in first ideating or, you know, coming up with ideas uh, and innovations or what, what many in strategic process would call vision or value. That's number one. The second is once you have the idea and the right thing, you have to activate it. You have to discern and you have to... Um, galvanize a crowd to activate to get the strategy done but that's in the and you have strategic tactics to do that that's the second way and then you have to implement uh no 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 great strategy no great works but gets done sitting around thinking about it, wondering inventing uh, or even uh rah-rah galvanizing uh, and discerning it's right without actually going and saying do the people have what they need and do my teammates all have it and then do uh are we actually getting it done actually getting after it so we're going to talk about the wisdom that way in those sections, in, in, those, in the way work gets done. So when is it practical to discern to make God's wisdom and when to bring it to work? It's the, this is the way we work. So we're going to know to bring it to work. We've been, we're going to do it in that order. Uh, so we've got to bring it to the very project we're working on. So, here's the, here, so we're going to start right now. Uh, right away first in this ideate vision value where we get to wonder the possibilities where we get to where we get to um, invent new things we have to remember first we'll go back to the definition of wisdom it's the factual knowledge you need data into that process you don't want to create vision value you don't want to wonder without good data good facts good history you don't want to do want to do it without situational insight and you don't want to and you gonna you're going to know that this is going to have a resolve to it to finish and so I'm, I'm designing it that way. So here's some wisdom from God to help with that. And, and it's the beginning of all wisdom in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Everything, if we already said everything is from God, through God, and for God, that it is super, actually, you don't want to create a vision that's not underneath and consistent with God's vision. You will get frustrated. You will, get, you will get upset. If it's not from him, we've, Psalm 127, it's totally futile. It's totally worthless. Uh, so, first of all, the fear of the Lord, that God rules over everything. Think about all the ways you got to where you are today. Most of it you didn't control. Not when you were born, not who you were born to. Uh, your biggest break somebody helped you with. I was talking to a guy the other day. He goes, I knew at 24 that guy gave me the break. And the, guy, the guy's now, you know, 68. So, to know that God's hand is over it. He's God, I'm not. That's a, that, is super, that is visionary. It's, 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 it's the right thing to wonder. It's the right way to build values in your company, uh, whether you make those public or you just that's the driving force behind you. But he's God, I'm not. I, I really can't say that too many times today to myself. 
And then that leads me to, I believe, help me to believe. Help me to put this to use. So acknowledging God uh, and know that all things start with God and so does the wisdom for this moment. And the, just, the deeper layer of that comes from Romans one twenty one to 22 uh, in this verse. For although they knew God, so now we're acknowledging him, but they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So I did it, I did it, I did it. No, so if I'm, I got to get past me, and I got to get past, we'll see in a minute, some other wise men, but I've got to know that, that this moment is about God, and it's about glorifying him, that that's the purpose of this moment. Whatever it is, whatever frustration, whatever, wherever I've gotten myself, uh, it, does, it doesn't matter. The, the prodigal son, uh, got a, God gave him everything he needed. He, his heart got darkened, <laughs> the son. He did not acknowledge. The, the, it's the prodigal father in that parable that shows that is, is God. And he doesn't care about that anymore. He doesn't care. He wants all his stuff. And he wants to go do it his way. And then he ends up in pig slop. He ends up going, whoa, 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 whoa. It better be a servant in my father's house than to be in this pig slop. So he starts to acknowledge that. He starts to acknowledge his way back is acknowledging God. No matter where you are, your way back is acknowledging God. Your way back is glor- what, what would glorify him. Well, he's really not, he, the prodigal son is really not that far in the parable, but he's just saying, I'd be better off. I know it underneath the father somehow, some way. And then he prepares an apology. So he prepares to acknowledge him and even give thanks. But think about your last mistake. Was it really glorified in God? Was it really giving thanks to God? And then certainly you can think about all cases of scenarios where people not acknowledging God, not giving thanks for their own bodies. The rest of these verses from Romans one twenty two to the end of the chapter explain how society de- de- degrades. How when we worship the created things versus the creator. How when we start to admire our own bodies so much, we start to get attracted to the same sex. It explains our se- sexual degradation, it ex- but also explains our business and work-life degradation when we start to value things that are created over God himself. And then we change our filter. Oh, I'll now look at God's word with my filter versus looking at God's, letting God's word filter me, letting God's word guide me. So I've got to acknowledge him. I've got to give thanks to him. I've got to realize that everything I have is from him. And then not think I have a wisdom that's better than his. Not think... Not create something in a, in a passage that's not his. And again, every person does that. And by the way, you think, oh, I don't have that problem. You get to Romans 2.1. 2, it says, those of you who think you're not this way, you are. We're all this way. We all have gone down some degraded path. And we think, one more side point, it's freebie. We think, oh, well, but society now is different. It's not like biblical. I can tell you. The sexual and financial and wisdom ethic in Rome, when this was written, was worse than ours is today. I, we can probably find a community that's worse. Maybe, maybe something they do out in the desert is worse. But I'll tell you, right now, in general, our society and worldwide has not gotten to the degraded sexu- sexual ethic that Rome had, nor even its economic, nor are we imprisoned and under, under rule like the Israelites were when this was written by the Romans. Uh, they were killing him for talking about Jesus. And I, I, we get to do this in freedom. That's pretty good, Carter. It's pretty great. It's awesome. So we get to explore this 
in our groups and freely. So that's a, a blessing in itself. But don't think this society has advanced past God's word. That'd be, that'd be the opposite of this verse right there. And that's the mistake we make over and over. Okay, next. The next section. Wisdom to activate strategy. Wisdom to activate strategy. We've got to know facts. We've got to know. We've got to um, have situational insight. And then we've got to have the resolve to do it. And here are two keys to that. Maybe three. Wisdom beats human thoughts every time. And here's a verse. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And just, that's 1 Corinthians 1.20 and just seven verses later. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. We keep thinking there's a new way to do it. And there's great insight out there. We've got great minds. There are minds like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and the, the innovating the world. And some of that is helpful. And some of what they say is helpful. But I need to put what they have under the wisdom of God to truly discern, is it good for me? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except for me. And so first I could get tricked in. How long is this strategy going to last? Some of us need a strategy for getting the house quiet at night some of us need a strategy for how to get the whole team on the same page at work some of us need a strategy for how we're going to deal like we said with the ups and downs of this economy but i got but we've got to align it with what's eternally true because that because it's mathematically for strategy how long is it going to last i got to make sure my one day or two week or economic strategy which we know rises and falls all of us know that and, and with the inside of God, it's got to be consistent with where things are going. And if it's not consistent with the way, the truth, and the life, it's going it's, it's to cause me more frustration. So here's, here's the depth of that. And just, you, you, again, this sounds like a verse, but I want you to think about how practical it is, even as I read it from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19, which was right in the middle of all this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. <laughs> it's right there. So you're, you're frustrated? What wisdom are you using? Is your intelligence, you're running to the end of it? Every one of us has. Why? Why? Maybe it's not consistent. But the way the greatest act in the history of the world that changed the whole world. It changed our calendars. It changed everything about it. It changed practical things. It changed daily things. It changed our strategy. When we see that actually what's foolish, which is laying down your life, and what is love, rule. The act of the cross paved a way and made things possible. It's the ultimate act of love. And it cost him something. Those are two principles to take into your strategy. If you really want to get this done, if you really, as you consider how to activate a strategy, you're going to see how is it an ultimate solution? How is it a solution for the night? Is it love for everybody? What, what, how do I, even to get my own household quiet and, and, and to prepare for the next day, what is love? How do I help each one of them there? But what's, is there a master solution that gets the whole team on the same page? And I'm looking for what is love for everyone. Because the cross solved it for everybody, everyone desiring that no one would perish. Jesus paid for it, and it cost him something. So he saw what love was. In that case, he had to pay the, the price so that we could be reconciled to God. 
But the same is true for an individual strategy, no matter how long the horizon you're thinking about it, the, ex and, the ups and downs of the economy, it, it, first of all, what's the solution? The solution is, when has money ever solved it completely? And so I've got to then got to decouple myself with money in some way and help others do that to get on the same page. If I say, if I, it's not going to rally the team to say, hey, we're all going to get rich. It's not going to rally the team. It's not going to rally an individual to say it's all about money because that treats people as means when I have a goal for money. But when I realize it's about people and love, I'm able to then build a strategy that's others-focused and probably cost me something, probably cost me a little more time, probably cost me a little more reinforcement of the message, probably have to galvanize them a little different, I have to help discern the situational insight of each person. But then in general, what will help? What's the, what is love in this situation? And that somehow is the answer to what you're thinking of. It's not. We went over the safety in one of, the, in our, in one of our sessions this week, <laughs> and we've been over in a couple of podcasts, um, but really important. Going and getting guns has, has led to more unsafety. It hadn't led to love and peace. It's just true. It's, it's just why they're more out there because everybody keeps going to get them. And people's, now, now the people who steal cars actually come with a bonus gun too often, too often. That's not the only way people get guns, but it's just an example of going for the thing I think is wise, protect myself, protect myself, protect myself, um, actually is leading to more paranoia, staying involved in next door or anything else constantly, what's going on, hypervigilant, is driving people crazy, driving them lonely, uh, versus how do I get involved in solving the problem, and then I'm actually an instrument of peace. And it's the same way for your work thing. It's the same way. What's, what, how do I get involved in solving the problem instead of complaining about it? Again, a verse today was arguing and complaining. It, that, it, stop doing it. And that leads to peace. Uh, and if we do that, you de- you've never done that. And this, we're, getting into, we're getting into practical implementation here, but you've never not argued or grumbled or complained and been patient and, and bring, brought peace to the situation and been sorry. So we've got to think about what God is saying here. Lastly, implementation tactics. Look how implementing this is. Look how perfectly implementing this is. And from Matthew 24, 27, these are the very words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Talk about your economic ups and downs decoupling my need and desire for the things of this world make me more likely to crash. Decoupling my needs and desires with money, with safety, with the things I think I've got to have actually prepares me for the crash. So if that's my fear, it's going to cover it. It's practical in implementation. I want to do it his way. I want to even do the practical pieces his way. And here's the final. If I know it, if I've got it, wisdom serves the wise and the foolish daily. Paul said this, he was so encouraged uh, by other believers. He said, I'm obligated both, he says, Greeks and non-Greeks. And that just, that's who he was dealing with. He was headed to Rome. He had been in Athens. He was, he was at the forefront of thought in the entire world. And he says, I'm both, but I'm obligated both to the wise and the foolish. All day long, we're dealing with wise people and foolish people. 
And if we can figure out these tactics, as I deal with the tactic, as I try to implement it, I still have to see where each person is. I still need that situational insight to say, how is this helping? How is this tactic? Am I, am I equipping, to use working genius language, am I equipping people? Uh, uh, do they understand? I've got to still equip them if they're, not, if they're still foolish. Are they wise? I've got to still equip them. Either way, I have to equip them. Either way, I have to help them finish this plan. And when I know that, and when I know that, I'm, that people are in different places, wise and foolish places, then I can move in and serve them. So again, wrap up. Wisdom is factual knowledge, situational insight, and the resolve to do it. I, I pray for each of you right now that you have the resolve. It's the same thing I pray for myself and for Carter and for the, those who have come to the center all week long, that we have the resolve. We know so much facts. We have so much situ situational insight that we'll have the resolve to finish it. So from that, um, move into it. Make it practical. And a lot of that is not preachy. Use the part you need that's not preachy to show them what's practical. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions about today's podcast or want to learn more about the Center, please email us at info at thecentermemphis.org or visit our website at thecentermemphis.org and schedule a meeting. We're happy to talk with you. See you next time.